And I want you all to know that we are fighting the fake news. It's fake, phony, fake. Let resistance plus persistence equal progress for our party and our country. We will not answer to donors or lobbyists or special interests, but we will serve the citizens of the United States of America. This is the United States of America that I'm representing. I'm not representing the globe. It's time to make America great again. Join the movement. The Neil A. Caruso Show Podcast. Time to dream big. Informative, insightful, and valiant leadership. Telling it the way it is to make a difference. All right. TGIF. Happy Friday, everybody. Neil A. Caruso with you on the Neil A. Caruso Show Podcast. Pleasure to be with you as always. And as always, a lot to, of news to get to. I'm going to try to keep it short today for you guys because, um, well, it's kind of difficult for me to do because <laughs> there's just so much going on in Washington and uh, and outside the Beltway as well. Um, but let's jump right into it. President Trump spoke at CPAC today, the Conservative Political Action Committee. He was obviously the big headliner. Um, a lot of uh, great quotes coming out of CPAC today from President Trump. He said we're getting the bad ones out, meaning the illegal criminal aliens, something we'll get to because, well, the Democrats are causing issues and are going to be a little bit of a pain in the neck uh, with President Trump's first uh, joint congressional uh, meeting on Tuesday. He'll be on in prime time. Of course, that'll be televised. Um, It's almost going to be like a State of the Union. We'll get into that, but... Uh, the big news that everyone's reporting on, well, because the media is reporting on it, they're reporting on themselves, and here's President Trump at CPAC today in Maryland on, quote, fake news. And I want you all to know that we are fighting the fake news. It's fake, phony, fake. A few days ago, I called the fake news the enemy of the people, and they are. They are the enemy of the people. Because they have no sources, they just make them up when there are none. I saw one story recently where they said nine people have confirmed. There are no nine people. I don't believe there was one or two people. Nine people. And I said, give me a break, because I know the people. I know who they talk to. There were no nine people, but they say nine people. And somebody reads it and they think, oh, nine people, they have nine sources. They make up sources. They're very dishonest people. In fact, in covering my comments, the dishonest media did not explain that I called the fake news the enemy of the people, the fake news. They dropped off the word fake. And all of a sudden, the story became the media is the enemy. They take the word fake out. And now I'm saying, oh, no, this is no good. But that's the way they are. So I'm not against the media. I'm not against the press. I don't mind bad stories if I deserve them. And I tell you, I love good stories, but 
We won't die. I don't get too many of them. But I am only against the fake news media or press. Fake, fake. They have to leave that word. I'm against the people that make up stories and make up sources. They shouldn't be allowed to use sources unless they use somebody's name. Let their name be put out there. Let their name be put out. A source says that Donald Trump is a horrible, horrible human being. Let him say it to my face. <laughs> and we talked about that uh, earlier this week on the podcast about these unnamed sources. May have been yesterday. I don't even remember. But um, <laughs> I know I said it because I've been saying it for a while is that um, the distinction here, and of course, people don't read between the lines or really listen to Mr. Trump. What he's saying here is very clear, is the political press that is out to get him 96 percent voted for Hillary Clinton, according to the Center for Public Integrity, um, clearly out to get President Trump. And he's not talking about anybody but the political uh, media and with the, you know, it's not, it's certain journalists and organizations that have let their biases seep in to the mainstream. And they, and now there are organizations like the New York Times who have been completely biased. It's almost like an op-ed the entire paper. Because what they've done is say, we cannot cover him fairly. And they thought he was a joke. And other papers covered him in the entertainment pages. And then he becomes president, and they still, you know, they didn't report the truth all along. They were wrong. They've been proven false. And people aren't buying papers anyway. But the distinction is important here, and he makes it. It's He's talking about certain stories, certain organizations who are very clearly out to get him. It has nothing to do – it's not – he's not going after the entire, you know, uh, free press. He's not. He's not going after local media. He's mainly going after the political press that has been very dishonest and are all left-wing, 96 percent of them actually. Uh, so that's the distinction, the important distinction he has to make, and then the sources are important because, you know, there are some stories, and I always check. So depending on what I'm reading especially uh, it depends a lot on the organization. I will, because I read everything, and I read both sides, and I want to know what people are thinking. But I look at who is being sourced, and sometimes it just says um, uh, a source tells me or whatever it may be, but it's not. It's general. It doesn't even say a White House source or a CIA source. It doesn't even do that. So you have no idea. And there are leaks coming out. There's a Wall Street Journal story that just came out a little while ago that the Homeland Security, uh, Department of Homeland Security is uh, saying that um, they're disputing the risk of people uh, barred by the travel ban. That was, um, there's going to be a new executive order next week expected. And they're saying, you know, that really, there weren't that many people affected in the grand scheme of things. Okay, they had to be checked another time. You know, I mean, if you go to an airport, you have to expect you're going to have to wait for a couple of hours. Just It's just how it goes, especially in this day and age, post 9-11. And so there are a lot of leaks coming out, out of the White House, out of the CIA. There's a, There was a report, 
and I I heard part of what was reported, but I really don't know what to believe. It, it Reince Priebus had come out and said that, um, uh, or he, he had a conversation with Intel, um, and there was a report saying that he told um, intelligence officers like Comey and FBI um, to come out and tell the media that there was absolutely no interference by Russia and that uh, the Trump campaign specifically did not have any contact with Russia. And this is post-Michael Flynn stuff, which we go back to that, and we talked about that last week, and we talked about that last Sunday on the Sunday show, which we have another big one planned this week. Uh, Michael Flynn was fired because he lied to Mike Pence. He was doing his job. He was preparing for his job as national security advisor, which is to communicate with his counterparts in Russia and other countries. So he was doing his job. He was fired because he lied about it. So let's be clear on that because setting the record straight is very important. And sometimes you have to slow down because there's just so much. There really is a lot to digest. Um, but so that's what we do here is we digest things. So the whole previous uh, situation today, we played a clip yesterday in the intro of uh, Ryan's Priebus and Steve Bannon. By the way, Steve Bannon, he's been made to look like an, like a villain by the mainstream media. He seems like a nice guy. I never met him. I don't, you know, don't really know too much about him because he stays quiet and stays behind. But um, he seems like a good guy. He's He seems like an intelligent, bright guy who doesn't seek the spotlight. So, you know, who knows? Um, but Priebus and Bannon seem to get along, and Bre- uh, the report was that Priebus told the intelligence community to tell the media that they that um, Trump administration did not have any contact with Russia. Now, what was what the White House is saying, I don't know who to believe. I probably would believe the White House more than I would the report that the— intelligence community and they gotta keep quiet the intelligence community went to Priebus first and went to the White House first to inform them of certain situations that are going on and in that conversation it was told they told Priebus and the White House that no contact has been made in their investigation from the Trump administration and Russia and so previously, like, let's get this out. I want the media to know, but I want them to hear it from you, from the intelligence community. So he did ask, apparently. But the problem is that the intel officers are trying to stay out of it, at least on the face, on the surface. Because behind the scenes, there have been so many intel leaks that we discussed last Sunday. And that show is up on com if you want to rewatch it. And we went through the litany. Of leaks, and I may have to do it this Sunday again too, depending on how this story plays out in the media. And I went through the leaks, and these leaks coming out that we don't know—they're coming out from from intelligence, they're coming out from the White House, and they're very damning and very damaging to national security. They're da- they they embarrass us, and the whole the FBI especially. But intelligence has become too politicized, and intelligence should never be politicized, and it's not the Trump administration's fault. It goes back to Hillary Clinton and her 
you know, making, uh, well, it goes back down, they handle the Hillary Clinton scenario. July 5th, 2016, Comey comes out, says 110 emails that on her server were classified, that she sent her receipts, and went through a whole indictment without indicting her. Okay, conservatives pissed off, Democrats, oh, well, see, she didn't do anything wrong. Well, eh, she did. She had a private email server in her house, which was illegal. Any other person would be in jail. Let's be honest. And even Comey said what she did was wrong. And he testified a few days later and said, yeah, you know, um, what she did was wrong and any other person would suffer more consequences. I'm paraphrasing. So, that was the start of the politicizing of our intelligence. And it goes back to Comey and Clinton. Then how it played out. You have later on in the summer... You know, we find out more information. By the way, just even their meeting that was off the record was so asinine and so out of the ordinary. Nobody meets with the FBI off the record. And then you have a few days before the election. It comes out that, well, we're re-looking at it. Okay. Conservatives happy. Democrats pissed. And then right before the election, nothing came out. The problem is they call me... It really wasn't a lose-lose in this highly politically charged environment. But he shouldn't have opened his mouth ever. And now they're trying to say, and this is the FBI, not just call me, but his, um, uh, the leadership under him that is involved here. And what they're doing is they're so immersed in this political bullcrap. Let's be honest. It's just nonsense. And so... What they need to do is, get, uh, just like the media has to do, and I'm going to talk about that in a second, what the FBI has to do is restore its credibility. How do you do that? I don't know. I think Jim Comey has to step down. Just because of the goodness of the FBI, I don't think Comey's a problem. I don't think Comey is a political guy. But now he's looked at it. He's, they look at the FBI like it's political. And intelligence should never be Political. You want to make politics over everything, fine. Not intelligence. Not when it harms our national security. You want to make politics over... I mean, they really make politics over everything. They politicize um, uh, everything from uh, a police officer shooting somebody without having the facts to, I mean, you name it, everything becomes political in our society. You know, we're going to talk about in a second what the Democrats are doing on Tuesday. It's disgusting. Um, They take advantage of families just to push their agenda. Then in a moment, um, what the media could do. So Trump specified the fake news, what he means by it, okay? He's not saying the entire media. Of course, that's the... You know, that is the outrage from the media about the media. Um, Now, uh, I kind of knew what he was saying all along. So you say, well, Neil, aren't you kind of like in the media? Well, maybe, okay. If you want to consider that, fine. But here's the real issue. When you purposely 
attack someone because you don't agree with them and think they're so vile to the country, you've lost all credibility. You have lost half the country, and how can people trust you when you're doing that in the news pages? So that's the core of the issue. Now, you know, how can they restore their credibility? Well, I'll propose something to the New York Times, what they should do. I would make a public announcement that you are going to restore truth in journalism, and how are you going to do that? You are going to, on the op-ed pages, uh, opinion, fine, you're allowed to have opinion. You're going to hire conservative writers. So now you have a balance because it's so far left-wing, it's out of control. So you're going to have now a balance of conservative and democratic opinion writers because the people deserve to see both sides. Isn't that, you know, all the news is fit to print? Okay, that's what I would do as far as the opinion pages. The news pages, unnamed sources, should not be the norm. Unnamed sources should be the exception when you are doing a major investigation and they could have their lives risked or the jobs, their career uh, put at risk as a result of the story getting out there. At the very least, it should say a White House source, a high administration source, a CIA source. That's what you're taught in journalism school. I know. And that's what you need to do. You need to name sources. Tell it to my face, Trump said. He's a big boy. He could take it. But when national security is at risk and there are leaks coming out of everywhere because guess what? The cabinet's not done and Obama's cabinet leftovers are still in there. So a lot of people are saying that Obama is running shadow government, meaning Obama's fingertips are still in Washington. He was in New York City, by the way, today. And his fingertips are still in the dough, and that's a problem. There is no—the um, obstruction is harming the progress of the United States, and that is a problem. Now, Trump laid out his agenda more at CPAC. It was similar to a campaign speech. A couple of things that I love to hear. We're going to eradicate—we're actually going to, what did he say, quote, obliterate ISIS off the face of the earth. I mean, finally, someone who could say radical Islam and say that we're going to obliterate them. And he's supposed to have a plan on his desk by Monday from his national security team. So it would be interesting to see if he uh, brings that up on Tuesday in front of Congress. And that will be uh, – that's a huge one for his administration and in these times that we face. He repeated his pledge to repeal and replace Obamacare – even though Congress has done absolutely nothing, something we talked about yesterday, and he reiterated, we need to repeal and replace Obamacare. We're going to get it out of there. We're going to have something so much better. We're going to increase competition, exactly what we laid out yesterday's podcast. Okay, reducing the premium costs. Mike Pence talked about that on Thursday at CPAC. The premiums, the deductibles, 118% Arizona, it's been it it's gone up tremendously nationwide, and then the key thing that put in the intro, 
We talked about globalism and nationalism, probably a topic that I will have on Sunday. Still trying to tweak around my monologue and the real deal segment for Sunday. And I really want to talk about how we got to move past politics and the nationalism versus globalism that we need to just focus on us, on the United States. I'm not representing the globe, Trump said. I'm representing your country. And that's very true. He's not the president of the globe. He's the president of the United States. Um, by the way, speaking of uh, fake news, I saw this story. Uh, you know uh, Chris Cuomo, who's the son of Governor Andrew Cuomo in New York. He's on uh, CNN, Chris Cuomo. Uh, this tweet, I mean, unbelievable. See, like, if a conservative did this, they'd be fired. I wonder, So you know about the whole transgender bathroom story uh, this week. Now, I just want to clarify because it's being very, very convoluted in the mainstream media um, just to go over the details. It was a directive put forth by the Obama administration. Barack Obama put a directive saying that students can use the bathroom that matches their gender identity, meaning that... If I said, you know what, today I'm a woman, I can go into the women's bathroom. Uh, you basically, it's how you feel, not the biology. Um, there are a lot of problems with that um, because, well, you know, you can have scenarios where someone just uses that to an advantage. There are going to be a lot of loopholes and problems in, in that type of policy. There are always unintended consequences, and that's not something that you can play with. So what President Trump said was, listen, not my call. It's not the federal government's decision. He did not make a decision on transgender bathrooms. All he said, there's a Supreme Court case that's pending right now. All he said was, states should decide. So let's leave it up to the states. And if schools, and let's just let local governments do it. So if schools want to allow them to use a bathroom of their choice... You know, maybe they need a doctor's note or some sort. States can make a law. Um, and then, of course, an easy fix to this, private bathrooms. They had them all over. And you just use that bathroom. Um, you know, a private one. So, anyway, Chris Cuomo on CNN, um, he tweeted this out on uh, yesterday, Thursday. So what if your kid were ex-gender, meaning transgender? Tell them to suck it up, question mark. Um, tell them to accept they are in, quote, other. Good luck with that. Uh, this is in response to somebody. So somebody then responded to Cuomo saying, um, what do you tell a 12-year-old girl who doesn't want to see a penis in the locker room? And Chris Cuomo responded, which... You know, people really get in trouble when they respond to others on Twitter. Um, I wonder if she is the problem or her overprotective and intolerant dad. Teach tolerance. So Chris Cuomo, though, is getting a lot of uh, negative feedback for this tweet because he's basically saying here that people have to be tolerant after seeing of seeing anyone's genitals in a locker room. So he's basically saying here in this tweet that anyone 
should be able to, whatever their gender identity is, to use the bathroom. Fine, that's what he believes. You could believe what you want on that. But he goes, he basically blames the dad, saying, calling the dad intolerant and saying that he should be teaching tolerance. Well, maybe he just doesn't want his 12-year-old daughter to be in a locker room with a male who, an older man who can be creepy. If you ever go into a you know, YMCA bathroom, you know what I mean. You know, I don't even want to be in one, a locker room, to be honest with you. It's the last place I want to be. I'm in and out. Um, and Cuomo is getting flack from the right, as he should. I mean, listen, you know, these certain people like to just preach and tell others what to think. And they like to tell people how to run their house. You don't tell people how to parent. You don't tell them. You know, they have very valid concerns. And if this father is a concern about her twelve about his twelve year old daughter in a locker room with an with a, a nude older man, he has a right to be concerned. A twelve year old girl should not really be exposed to, to that. I mean, what do you what do you explain to her at home? And you could debate me on this, but seriously, what are you gonna start telling are you going to start in preschool telling kids about things of this magnitude? I mean, when do you when do you start talking about this stuff? I mean, frankly, it's tough for me to talk about. I'm having trouble getting the words out myself right now because I don't want to offend anyone. But the point is, when you have a young kid, listen, they're young-minded. They're born more tolerant. But... When you have a young kid that's put into a scenario like this, or can be, you need to be protective. That's not being overprotective. That's called parenting. That's called, I want to make sure that my kid is not exposed to things that he or she shouldn't be exposed to at a young age. They shouldn't be. There's enough crap going on in the world and enough problems they have to be worried about, including abduction and the internet and bullying and cyberbullying and crimes, and sanctuary cities and campuses they have to worry about, and indoctrination on college campuses and on lower levels, that you shouldn't have to be worried about your kid just getting changed for gym class, about seeing stuff that, you know, I mean, how do you bring that up? How do you have that conversation? I don't think I'm not a parent yet. Um, so that I just wanted to mention. All right, so Congress on Tuesday... President Trump will have an address similar to the State of the Union address. It won't be a State of the Union, but basically what it will be is a joint session of Congress for the first time. Congress invited him. Paul Ryan invited him uh, his first week in the White House. And representatives uh, Raul Grijalva and Ruben Gallego, not saying that right probably, uh, both Arizona Democrats, Announced today that there were guests in the White House and the um, House of Representatives gallery during President Trump's speech will be children of Guadalupe Garcia de Reyes, the illegal immigrant who was deported to Mexico earlier this month. Um, so they are making this deportation political. 
um, the two Arizona Democrats, hoping that the attendance of Garcia de Rios' children will send a message. That's all they want to do. And they want to basically show a message uh, that uh, to show Trump, quote, to face the people who have been victimized by his disastrous policies. Um, his policies are pretty common sense. Policies are pretty, I think they are actually, they help people, they help United States citizens. That they're actually compassionate is the word I'm looking for. Um, that trust policies are compassionate for the people of whom he represents, the United States people. And this woman, as we talked about when this came out, had committed a crime, identity theft. She sold someone's social security number and applied for a job. Well, when your identity is stolen, as anyone that knows somebody who's had their identity stolen, and it's actually the uh, the most rapidly rising crime in the United States in this day of the internet and what have you. And there are some crazy phone scams and, and scams that uh, people are using to get your identity, to use your voice to end up purchasing or approving certain things. And these scams go on, and you saw there was a report that they were doing it uh, on the telephone that in New York, if you were, uh, if you got a call, what was it, the um, can you hear me message, and you would say yes, and then they would use that to purchase things. Well, this person, Garcia de Reyes in Arizona, was deported because she sold someone's identity, and it takes them decades to get their identity back. They have no credit. I mean, it is a complete and utter mess. It's a crime. You come into this country, okay, you had good intentions, but you committed a crime you didn't have to do. Millions of people came into this country legally. Way back when, they came here with nothing. You hear all these stories. The Italians, the Irish, they all came here. The Polish, they came here with nothing. They worked three, four jobs to put food on their table. And they made something of their life with nothing. They did things the right way. And President Trump is saying, listen, we cannot set. Once we start setting people, uh, giving them special treatment and making exceptions for the policies, the whole policy breaks apart. It's about law and order. It's about restoring law and, law and order. If you commit a crime and you were in the United States illegally, goodbye. Do things the right way. And guess what? Now that that is circulating, I bet you the illegal aliens are not committing crimes now because they know damn well they'll be gone. And that's how it should be. Do things legally. Do things the right way. We should be a country. We're a country of laws. We should be a country of law and order. Um, and we talk about immigration all week because it's the number one topic. Uh, the Democrats, though, are so backwards that they're still listening to crooked Hillary. Hillary Clinton urges Democrats to keep fighting in this YouTube message. Oh, Hello, Democrats. Thank you all for coming together to represent yeah. our party at its best.
united, energized, and ready to wage and win the battles ahead. Now, as Democrats, we have diverse views and backgrounds. Wrong. We are Democrats, after all. But we're bound together by the values and hopes we share for our country. I'm grateful for all your support and hard work during the election. Being your candidate was the honor of a lifetime. And I was inspired to see women and men from all walks of life and every corner of our country coming together on behalf of our shared values. And while we didn't get the outcome we worked so hard for, I know, don't fall asleep, honey. I'll, I'll always fall asleep be too. proud of the campaign we ran, a campaign that was better and stronger thanks to they each lost. of you. After the primaries, we came together as a party to write the most progressive platform in history. Ugh. Ideas we championed are now inspiring leaders and activists across our country. Nearly 66 million votes are fueling grassroots energy and activism. Paid and protesters. everywhere, people are marching, protesting, tweeting, protesters. speaking out, and working for an America that's hopeful, inclusive, and big-hearted. From the Women's March to airports where communities are welcoming immigrants, refugees, and people of every faith, to town hall meetings where people are speaking up for health care, the environment, good jobs, and all the other issues that deserve our passionate support. Among those millions making their voices heard are future mayors, city and state officials, governors, members of Congress, even future presidents. <laughs> the challenges we face as a party and a country are real. So now more than ever, we need to stay engaged in the field and online, reaching out to new voters, young people, and everyone who wants a better, stronger, fairer America. I mean, she could go away. We as Democrats must move forward with courage, confidence, and optimism and stay focused on the elections we must win this year and next. Let resistance plus persistence equal progress for our party and our country. Thank you to the leaders who've already done so much, beginning with Barack and Michelle Obama. Thanks as well to Donna and the DNC leadership and to the outstanding bench of Democrats stepping up to lead us forward. As long as we stand together and work together with respect for our differences, strengthen our convictions, and love for our country, our best days are still ahead. Wrong. So keep fighting and keep the faith. And I'll be right there with you every step of oh, the way. I'm sure she will. God bless you and God bless America. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. Well, listen. Okay, she's not going to be with you every day because she's living in Chappaqua, in Pishposh. She can't even go near her house. Okay, so she's unapproachable. Um, also, does she realize that she lost? She lost. She's gone. The party cannot sustain with her because they gave her the platform. She thanked Donna Brazil. Yeah, she should thank Donna Brazil. She gave her the questions to the CNN debate. Okay, and... She thanked Obama for leaving the party. Obama, okay, led to over 700 state and uh, legislature seats being lost. The party is obliterated. They're totally done. 
they have to start over. And they're announcing a new chairperson, the DNC, tomorrow. And the the leader right now, the person that's uh, that's expected to be named, is Keith Ellison, who is an anti-Semite, Louis, Louis Farrakhan, Nation of Islam attendee. Okay? This is a guy that is not is un-American. He is not a leader, and he will lead a more socialist movement that will not lead to a stronger Democratic Party. And we talked the other day the necessity for two strong parties. Hillary is an old bag. She's done. She's old news. Okay? And the future, if they're going to go uh, Elizabeth Warren future and Bernie Sanders— Pocahontas! Um, then they— are going to lose the American people. What did Trump say today? That Republicans, that the Republican Conservative Party is now the party of the blue-collar worker. True. And the Democrats have lost it. Democrats switched over to vote for Trump because they wanted their jobs back. And all Democrats do is obstruct and not go to work. They're protesting instead of going to work and doing something productive. Trump said today we're going to get people off of welfare. You know, 13 million more Americans on food stamps since 2009. So that's just pathetic. And I'm sick of Hillary. I'm sick of her. She should go away. For the, if she really wants for the good of the party, then she will go away. Because the party will not survive with her in there. She represents the old Democratic Party. She represents a crooked, corrupt Democratic Party. And if that is still what the Democrats believe in, then good luck because you're not going to win elections. Now, on the flip side, Republicans need to hear the voices of the protesters. Not get consumed by it, but hear it. And understand that they have a duty to fulfill their promises and not get all political and then all of a sudden say we cannot repeal and replace Obamacare. Because, well, our constituents, buddy, uh, you know, I think that they're going to they're gonna vote us out. No. If you want what's good for America, then you will do what's good for America, regardless of politics. That's the Donald Trump story. Um, so that's what is, has to be the focus right now for politicians, is getting away from politics. And that's all part of draining the swamp. Enough already. Americans are sick of politics and they're sick of the old order. They are. Um, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we are going to we'll play a clip from Mike Pence. Actually, in a very uh, a funny moment there uh, at CPAC. And we'll preview ahead for Sunday's show and tell you also you know, what Trump did today besides just talk. Because he's doing a lot. Big league. He's Wrong. out there. Making America great. Again. We will make America great again. Has to do with business, has to do with regulations today. Show me the money! So that's coming up when we come back on the Neil A. Caruso Show podcast, which we do every day, Monday through Friday, right here on NeilACaruso.com. Back into this quick break. Straightforward talk that drives the political establishment crazy. If you like your doctor, 
you will be able to keep your doctor. Period. What, like with a cloth or something? I don't know how it works digitally at all. <laughs> Neely Caruso is on the air and telling it the way it is as you deserve. It's the Neely Caruso Show Podcast. A ranger station. I'd like to report a bear hug. Okay. I put out my campfire and Smokey Bear hugged me. So you drowned the fire, you stirred it, drowned it again, and felt that it was cold? Uh-huh. Yeah, but he's just letting you know you did good. Bear hug from Smokey Bear. Status update! I'm gonna let you go now. There are many ways to start a fire, but one sure way to put it out. Learn how you can do your part at SmokeyBear.com. Sponsored by the U.S. Forest Service Ad Council and your state forester. When it comes to saving money, don't act like a baby. Goo goo gaga. Be the boss and make a budget. I'm the boss, baby. You're the boss of me. I am the boss of you. Or not. M2. Or not. M2. Need a little help? Aren't you going to do any work? I'm very busy delegating. Create a personalized savings plan. We can share. You obviously didn't go to business school. And get other tools and tips at feedthepig.org. Brought to you by the American Institute of CPAs and the Ad Council. Neil's a real deal, but don't just take our word for it. I'll tell you what, I've gotten to know him really well. He's the real deal. We have somebody who's the real deal working for us, and that's what we need. Neil's a real deal. Telling it the way it is on the Neil A. Caruso Show podcast on iTunes and the Neil A. Caruso Show Sundays at 12 noon Eastern on NeilACaruso.com. You know, the president and I have become good friends. It's the greatest privilege of my life to be vice president to a leader of such conviction, vision, and courage. Now, some people have remarked that we're a little bit different. You know, I'm a small town guy, he's big city. I'm Midwest, he's Manhattan Island. He's known for his bigger than life personality, his charm and his charisma, and I'm like, not. <laughs> you know, as I said at the Republican convention, I guess he was just looking to balance the ticket. <laughs> but all kidding aside, when President Trump asked me to join him on the ticket, I said yes in a heartbeat. Because you have elected a man for president who never quits, he never backs down, he is a fighter, he is a winner, and I promise you he will never stop fighting until we make America great again. I mean, the media, the elites, the insiders, everybody else who profits off preserving the status quo, they dismissed our president every step of the way. And in dismissing him, they, they also dismissed millions of the hardworking, forgotten men and women who make this country great. And worse yet, they're still trying to dismiss him. They're still trying to dismiss all of us. What they should have learned on Election Day is this is not a government of the elites, by the media, or for the establishment. What November 8th showed, even if they didn't listen, is that this is still government of the people, by the people, and for the people. True. It is. Mike Pence at CPAC on Thursday night. And, um... Mike Pence uh, also talked about Obamacare. He said, we are going to, Republicans will repeal and replace. We will keep our promise. Um, And also uh, touted some of the early um, successes that we went over on last Sunday's program. 
um, which includes uh, easing some regulations and um, uh, withdrawing from TPP and uh, also uh, some of the, uh, the access pipeline, Dakota access pipeline and the Keystone pipeline, um, you know, mo moving first steps to move towards repealing Obamacare, uh, some of those um, unnecessary regulations, easing businesses, um, a lot with business. And that's where Trump left off today. Um, Trump put regulation monitors in U.S. agencies. Uh, that was an executive order signed this afternoon when he got back from CPAC. Uh, he signed an executive order to place regulatory reform task forces and officers within federal agencies in what may be the most far-reaching effort to par back U.S. red tape in recent decades. The sweeping order directs every federal agency to establish a task force to ensure each has a team to research all regulations and take aim at those deemed burdensome to the U.S. economy and designate regulatory reform officers within 60 days and must report on the progress within 90 days. All right, so this is why this is... I'm going to give you the positives and the negatives to this real quick. All right, we'll start with the negatives. The negative and the criticism that's coming uh, from some people on the right is that it is... It is using the swamp to drain the swamp in where by trying to decrease and lower bureaucracy, you're using bureaucrats to do so. I agree with the criticism there to an extent. I think Trump knows what he's doing here. And I think what Trump is doing is he's saying, uh, let's see what they come up with. Who do I have to worry about? What specific people are going to be problems other than who he knows john mccain lindsey grant and some others you know john Kasich, by the way was at the white house today and had a meeting with president trump i heard Kasich's remarks afterwards i really am not impressed and here's why Kasich, who i always thought was a good man I, you know, was in touch with their communications team at one point trying to set up an interview, which didn't happen, so I wasn't too thrilled about that. I thought he was a good, humble man, someone who truly wanted to serve the country, and I still think that. But I think he's got a little arrogance with him, and a little bit he's got to go his own way. And he's not Trump. He's not an outsider. He's been there. I still think he's a good guy, but I think— that there's something about him because he goes, you know, I argue with today. He's saying he argued with Reagan about something and he argued with uh, other Republicans about things. And that's fine if you have differing opinion. But the way that he went about it, he all of a sudden went into oblivion and didn't support the president. He didn't show up to the um, – he didn't support the Republican nominee. He didn't show up to – the RNC in Cleveland, in his home state, I think it was very immature. I really do. And so they met, apparently, according to Kasich, there was no talk about his support. But I don't really know what they discussed about, just a whole lot of nothing, I guess. It's like that kicking and screaming movie. Well, you know, well, this is what I heard. My father said, coach said, any more questions? Kicking and screaming with uh, uh, Mike Ditka, actually, a Trump supporter, coach of the uh, 85 Chicago Bears. The champion Chicago Bears was in that movie. Um, and uh, Will Farrell. Um, in case you didn't know, apparently the Oscars is Sunday. I couldn't give a damn. Um, but anyway, this sweeping order on the positives. 
for the regulations. Building up a task force to see exactly within 90 days. I love how we put a time limit on it. I want to know within 90 days, what do we need to do? Let's have officers within 60 days, a report on the progress within 90 days. So he wants progress in three months, and he wants officers in their regulatory reform officers within 60 days to end the bureaucracy and cut back on red tape because it's out of hand. If you want to build a house, it takes you two years to get HUD approval. If you want to build, if you want to uh, do anything these days that involves government approval, it takes years. Trump talked about that with buildings. That you'll get denied after years of seeking approval. So the bureaucracy is out of hand. And frankly, let me ask you something. Anything you've ever had to do through the government or needed government approval for whatever reason, how long did it take you to get success? Yeah, probably a long time. I agree with you. And government just doesn't do things as well as the private sector. Because the private sector is looking for profit. They're looking for efficiency because there's competition and they need to beat their competition. And they want to serve you. Because if they do that, they're making money. Um, all right. So that is on what Trump did today. Uh, let me tell you about Sunday's program. So Sunday, we are live from 12 noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, everything in between, live on EliCurso.com. Uh, if you go to my website, by the way, neilacurso.com, you can sign up for the Caruso Comments newsletter. I may put one out tomorrow. Um, and our first newsletter got great reception. People are enthused by it. And this way you get the real deal news straight to your inbox. And um, what you need to know, people won't tell you, and things that, you know, frankly, you can read an email and know what's going on. So we'll get you that. Uh, in your inbox. So sign up. You can go on elacurso.com. When you go on elacurso.com, click on the elacurso show. And we there's a drop-down menu, actually, and there is a live button there. And we will be broadcasting live on Sunday afternoon at 12 noon, our third live streaming show. My team does excellent work um, over at Caruso Enterprises, my company. They do excellent work, and I'm very appreciative of everything that they do. So this week... We're doing a Making a Difference segment, which we did on the first show last week. We did something else in that segment. Um, and this will be – actually, we did that. Uh, we did the Supporting Our Veterans segment uh, last uh, last week. Well, we're going to do a Making a Difference segment this week um, on a 21-year-old who runs a baseball league for autistic teens and adults 16 years and older. And he is autistic himself, and he wants to get kids active and also um, not let the autism, which he doesn't call a disorder, he calls it a disadvantage. And we're going to talk to him live on Sunday about his organization and what he does to encourage autistic youth to work out and to not feel sorry for themselves to overcome the hurdles. You know, life is about overcoming things. If you want to look at the election, President Trump had to overcome everything to be president. It's the American dream. It's to think big, to dream big, and to accomplish anything. Despite what you're told. Despite the criticism. Despite the name-calling in this 
period where people could hide behind a computer. And so it's a remarkable story. Uh, autistic person who runs a autistic baseball league down in Georgia. He'll be on the program Sunday afternoon, plus your Skype calls. If you want to Skype in, you can Skype me at Neil A. Caruso. That's at Neil A. Caruso on Skype. And you could be part of the program. Call in with any question, comment, concern. You agree, you disagree, whatever. We'll open up the dialogue. We respect opinions. We give opinions, and we respect opinions on the Neil A. Caruso Show. So we will see you Sunday at 12 noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, everything in between. Because we don't forget Middle America. Um, And we will talk to you. We'll have everything. uh, We're going to talk about why we need to get away from politics. And just accomplishing the agenda for you, the American people. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Hillary's got to go. And uh, we will have a jam-packed show for you on Sunday. Uh, We start with Christmas comments. We get your Skype calls. And uh, everything we have to get to uh, that's going on in the news, what people won't tell you. And, of course, the Real Deal segment, which I haven't figured out what I'm going to talk about yet because there's just so much that I can focus on. And I'll pick one topic and go nuts on it for a segment at the end. Our third show, Sunday at 12 noon, and then back on the podcast on Monday. Till then, take care. God bless America. The Neil A. Caruso Show podcast is a production of Caruso Enterprises. Engaging, informing, and entertaining. Passion-driven, factual content that makes a difference following Neil A. Caruso on social media. And log on to neilacaruso.com to sign up for Caruso's comments, newsletters, and be the first to know.